Welcome to episode 28 of You Are Not A Frog, how to manage our sadness, anger and grief through the crisis. These are really difficult times. The coronavirus crisis has come upon us really quickly and it's hard to know what's going to happen, how we'll all respond and when it's going to end. Now, I often describe doctors as feeling a bit like frogs in boiling water. The pan has been heating up very slowly, but over the last few weeks, boy, has the pan heated up really, really quickly. Now, frogs only have two options, to jump out of the pan or to burn out. I still believe that you are not a frog. Even in these difficult times, you have choices and there are small things you can do to keep yourself mentally healthy, to manage your anxiety and to work in a sustainable and resilient way so that we can be in it for the long haul. I'm your host, Dr. Rachel Morris, GP, Tend Executive Coach and Specialist in Resilience in the Workplace for people in high stress jobs such as doctors. And I'll be talking to friends and colleagues and experts, all who have a helpful take on what's going on and who can share the best resources so that you can look after yourself, make good choices and thrive even through the most challenging of times. I'm going to be sending out a weekly email packed full of resources and articles and useful things that are fully focused on helping you, your colleagues and your families manage this crisis in the best way possible. It'll be sent out to all of my mailing lists and if you'd like to receive it then please sign up for the email list and we will send you a weekly update as well as information about the podcast. You can also download CPD forms to help you reflect on what you've just heard in the podcast to make this as useful for you as possible. Now, this is the second episode of the joint podcast I've been doing with Dr. Caroline Walker, who is the Joyful Doctor. And this one is all about grief and loss. So it's about how we manage our sadness, our anger and our grief throughout what is going on. There's also a video of this interview on YouTube if you'd prefer to watch it. We want to be fully focused on providing the very best resources, tools and information for you guys. So if you have anything that you would like us to cover in the episodes, then please get in touch with us. So without any further ado, here's the episode. So welcome back to another podcast episode. We've had a really great response to the first podcast episode that we put out. So we're getting together again to hopefully share some more stuff that's going to be helpful. But first of all, introductions, Caroline, tell us about who you are. Hi, thanks, Rachel. I'm Caroline Walker. I'm a doctor. I'm a psychiatrist, an NHS trained psychiatrist and therapist, and I specialise in the well-being of doctors. I founded The Joyful Doctor, which is an organisation that's all about helping the well-being of doctors. So as you can imagine, at the moment, we're pretty busy supporting doctors through this really challenging time of COVID-19. Thanks. And I'm Dr. Rachel Morris. I'm a GP, turned executive coach. I founded an organisation and created the Shapes Toolkit, which is a training programme to help professionals in high stress jobs like doctors with well-being, productivity and managing their resilience. And I also host the podcast You Are Not a Frog, which is perhaps where you've found this today. So, Caroline, firstly, how's your last few days been? How's the weekend been? Ah, yeah, I think like for many, it's been quite challenging, actually quite tough. I personally, I'm feeling a lot of the same emotional stuff that everyone's feeling at the moment. You know, I was feeling a bit overwhelmed, quite tired, quite emotional. 
some of it coming out a bit sideways, you know, a bit snappy with those I love and just really starting to try to kind of get to grips with what's going on because it's been really quite a phenomenally crazy week here, you know, in the UK as, as COVID has really started to hit. So yeah, it's it's not been an easy time for me, just like it's not been an easy time for many out there, I think, at the moment. It's really tough, isn't it? It does feel like things have massively accelerated and we've had more change in the last, I think, two or three days than we've had in the sort of preceding four to six weeks, really. Yeah, I've had a lot of doctors saying to me, you know, I feel like I'm in a disaster movie or I feel like, uh, you know, I can't believe it's just been a week because so much has changed and it's changing still. And I think this, this early stage is going to be quite, you know, quite an emotional roller coaster for a lot of us. Yeah. yeah. I know last time we talked about this sort of low level anxiety. And for me, I've noticed that it's not actually been low level anymore. I found that towards the end of last week, I was feeling I was losing my appetite. Yeah. Waking yeah. up in the morning, feeling really quite emotional and had a couple of occasions where I just sort of sat in my car and a little bit of a well a bit of a big cry actually just because I felt the enormity of the situation and also it was a feeling of real sadness yeah I I had a little bit a cry over the weekend myself and similarly I've noticed it's having an impact on my you know my physiology so yeah loss of appetite disturbed sleep and I'm not the only one I'm hearing that from a lot of doctors and I I guess I just want to normalize that for us at this point in time because that's how we're supposed to feel when something of this magnitude comes along and we're all kind of having to just deal with it you know this first week our bodies kind of just go into a little bit of a shock and a bit of a meltdown and it takes a little while for that to readjust so I would say if that anyone's experiencing that you know please don't panic it's quite normal and yeah just if you can just putting in a little bits of routine where you can to kind of buffer that but yeah he's talked about sadness I think we're starting to see the early signs of grief actually coming through already even though we may be not losing that many people yet in the UK to COVID itself we're we're starting to but we're I think we're really grieving a lot of other things like the life that we were living up until a week ago you know things like that and grieving those that we have lost around the world colleagues as included and the grief to come it's kind of like I think that's what we're seeing because it's extremes of all the grief emotion. There's this huge sense of loss, isn't there? Like you say, it's not necessarily just yet about the loss of human life. But, you know, for my kids, they've lost their summer and they've lost all the lovely things they were planning on doing. And, you know, I particularly found it very difficult when I said goodbye to my friends for the last time. I mean, that, it was just a really silly little thing. I thought, why am I upset about this? But I guess it was everything else coming out through that one thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We're all saying goodbyes at the moment, aren't we? You know, to people that we're not actually losing contact with most of the time. These are people that are still in our lives, but we're sort of having to separate from them temporarily. So it's like a big grief or a loss in a kind of strange kind of way, because now we're having to get used to seeing people online instead of, you know, or speaking by phone more than face to face. And so the relationships, all of our relationships are shifting aren't they around each other and and yeah the kids I mean they're losing their, their routine and their structure and the, the way that their lives are kind of chunked down into terms and holidays we're losing our routine of the way that we work and we're sadly starting to see the loss of life as well and I think it's important we don't shy away from acknowledging that at this early stage because that is impacting you know we're reading very sad stories that are really 
you know, hitting many of us right in our hearts, you know, of, and when I think it's somebody thing you can identify with like a colleague, you know, you hear about a doctor or a nurse that's died or, or perhaps somebody that's died that you can relate to them mm. as someone in your family. Yeah. I think we all start to grieve. So how do we cope with this grief? How do we, you know, we've all got to carry on and many of us are frontline workers, so we can't just sit at home and maybe go through the, the natural process. What can we do? It's a really good question because we talked last time about anxiety and, and how you can sort of have these strategies where if you notice it, you can mm. perhaps change it, distract yourself, etc. But grief doesn't quite work like that. I think for grief, the important thing, if you can, is to realise that it is grief. So to name it. And so we'll talk about the different emotions that, that show up in grief today. So naming it and realizing it is grief is actually really helpful. And then whenever you can, allowing it to just flow and come out, because grief is something that has to come out. It has to be felt. It, it can't be put to one side or it can be put to one side temporarily. But if you do that, it kind of stays stuck and you can get into trouble down the line. So if you're finding yourself with the different emotions, it's important to try and let those flow if you can as much as is possible in your day to day life. If, say, you're in the middle of a meeting and you don't really want to burst into tears, for example, you can temporarily just put a little lid on the box, the little grief box. Just hold it to one side as long as you come back to it later you go off and have a little break or you go home and you just get that little box out again and open it and go and feel the feelings then that's okay that's a reasonable strategy more term but hard to do that to me sounds quite scary because a lot of us yeah. like to put the lid on our emotions go okay yeah. oh great yeah i just suppressed that thank god for that that's solved and i can just now file it on my shelf so i don't yeah. need to open it later so you're saying yeah. actually it's really important we go back it is and it isn't. So I, I would qualify that and say, actually, you know, for many of us, we're going to have to put lots of little things in lots of little boxes and put them on the shelf for quite a while. Like we're going to yeah. need to put some of this stuff aside to be able to get on with the job that we're doing at the moment. So I think for some of us, we're going to have this at the end of this process, as things start to kind of settle down and calm down, we're going to have a, a lot of boxes that we might need some help kind of getting down off the shelf and looking at and allowing room for. But what I'm talking about is if you say, if you're struggling like we were at the weekend and you're like you feel a bit tearful just having a little cry absolutely fine you know allow yourself to do it try not to put everything in boxes at this point but where you need to it's just about noticing that's what you're doing and you'll come back to it at some point with support if you need it so i think both of us have experienced it as sadness and crying um, not everyone experiences it in the same way in the same type of emotion what other emotions might you expect to see yeah, so grief is a real roller coaster of lots of different emotions at different times. And we used to think that it was quite predictable, that you kind of went through these stages in very predictable order. But actually what we've seen really now is that it comes and goes in lots of different stages. But the main emotions we tend to see initially are shock and disbelief. Mm. I think we're all in that phase at the moment, yeah. like what's going on. Then you get anger really is really common you get a bit of bargaining so that's the sort of thinking doctors are doing now like if oh if I just work a bit harder then maybe I can make this all better or you know if I'm just really good for the rest of my life god please you know help my loved one to survive mm -hmm. this or that kind of bargaining with life yeah. um 
there's sadness as we've touched on which can be really profound and really quite you know draining and really tough and then there's acceptance so eventually what we hope to get to with grief eventually is a sort of place of acceptance a place of life has changed and this thing has gone but we've kind of adjusted we're able to kind of get on with our lives as well as we can so those are the main sort of emotions we see shock anger sadness a bit of bargaining and acceptance but they come in waves and they come unpredictably and they come like one minute you can be feeling fine the next minute you've got you know raging anger uh, then you're fine again and then you're really sad so it's about riding those waves at this stage so that's interesting to me how do you deal with anger because sadness is one thing you can go and have a little cry in the cupboard or in your bedroom or, or whatever yeah but i've seen this a bit in our household getting quite snappy with each other it's fair to say and feeling quite angry and what you don't want to do is take it out on other people's and yeah so how do you experience anger in a helpful way yeah really common question great question and I do a lot of anger work with my doctors in everyday life actually because mm. this is a problem something that we really struggle with because I think there's all these beliefs aren't there about anger that it's a bad thing yeah. that we shouldn't yes. show it that mm-hmm. but in fact it's an incredibly normal healthy emotion I get angry all the time we all get angry all the time pretty much on a daily basis in normal circumstances but at the moment there's a lot to be angry about so I'm seeing a lot of anger how do we deal with it so it's a bit like grief you have to get it out but it's an emotion that has to flow out of you if you keep it in it causes problems that's when people get really and they'll like the lid will pop off without you know warning so it's about getting it out but getting it out in ways that are not going to harm you or anyone else and I just I advise people experimenting so for me I'm I'm a puncher so when with my physical anger I like to punch so I'll get something like you see my cushions behind me here I'll punch those because it's not going to hurt me but it's going to get that anger out in a really healthy way so I think about physical expressions so some people are kickers stompers pushers you know and you'll probably get a sense of what you are because when you've lost it in the past you probably like maybe you threw something across a room or you you know shoved something away or you stomped or you know so just think back okay what am I likely to be and then do that thing but do it in a healthy way and do it pretty regularly at the moment I would say so I'd be punching stuff at the moment or two three times a week probably just to get that anger out yeah but it's about punching the pillow rather than the brick wall yes or somebody or or someone else yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. and then that one's husband yeah yeah that's the physical stuff then let's think about maybe writing and vocal so we're very vocal as some human beings so like shouting or screaming if i'm angry so again i do that into a pillow or I'll do it in the car where no one can hear it yeah so it's doing it in a way that's not going to upset you or anyone else but just gets it out and writing really powerful i'm seeing a lot of doctors at the moment writing angry messages on social media and i think it's absolutely normal to be angry and want to get that anger out what i suggest is express don't send Mm -hmm. so write it in like word or something like that write it write it write it write it write it get all that emotion out write exactly what you want to say use all the words you you wouldn't never use you know all the swear words and stuff and then don't send it (laughs) basically don't send it and then take a bit of a breather and then decide what you're going to put out there on your comment does that make sense so express it don't send it that 100% makes sense. Yeah. So I, I've been looking at a lot of stuff on social media and while 
I do think it's important that people know what's going on. Mm-hmm. A lot of the underlying tone is very angry. And I just yeah. wonder how that is helping. It might, ha- it might help the person writing it to express it, but the reader, it then agitates the reader and you're sort of perpetuating this spiral of anger rather than calming yeah. it down with logic and compassion. Yeah, I mean, I guess I would say it's normal to be angry. And I think a certain amount of expressing it like that is actually pretty human. And I think we have to give ourselves a bit of leeway at the moment. I think we're all going to get a bit irritable. I I shouted at my partner last week. And, you know, I think particularly as families are kind of having to be more isolated together and in close proximity, perhaps not used to not able to get out and have the space they need at the moment. I think there's a lot more anger being directed, you know, at different people. I think it's not about kind of trying to change the anger. I think it's about venting the anger out in healthy ways. That kind of takes the pressure out. It's a bit like a pressure cooker with a lid on it. If it builds up and up and up and up and up, then the lid's going to pop off and it's going to hurt someone. But if you can just tap off the pressure regularly, then you won't be quite so irritable. You'll have that little bit of a second of choice between when you're just about to shout at someone but you, you go, oh no, I'm going to just go next door or I'm just going to go and like take a time out. Yeah, and yeah. It's, that's what we want to build in. It's that moment of choice between getting angry and acting on it. We want yeah. a little bit of a gap, otherwise it's... And, yes. and presumably physical exercise can actually really help with this as well. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because it's a very physical energy anger. It's a very, yeah. Um, yeah. So that's why I say to people, think about the physical, think about the verbal and think about maybe writing if you're a writer or drawing or something, you know, something that's expressive in that way. But yeah, it's a very physical thing. So physical yeah. exercise, very important, yeah. very helpful. So one thing I've noticed in me is when I've been feeling angry a little bit at the end of last week and over the weekend and actually maybe a little bit this morning as well, I then start to believe some of my angry thoughts. Oh, yeah. So I'm thinking, oh, well, why isn't so-and-so doing this to help? Or why are kids doing this? And that means that blah and blah. And I'm in this state and I had to force myself to stop this one and just think, actually, Rachel, calm down. You're not thinking logically here. So how do you suggest people, because I think that is the danger, isn't it? That we confuse our emotions and our thoughts during the emotions for the truth. Absolutely. And we talked about this last time, didn't we? That Mm. thought fusion that happens where we think our thoughts are real and they're not. Actually, I've been using a a metaphor lately a lot that I got from one of my joyful doctor coaches. He's fantastic. Um, Giles P. Croft, he's a surgeon, now he's a coach. And he talks about snow globes. And you know how you shake a snow globe and all the snow kind of goes and it's and You can't see what's inside the snow globe anymore because it's just it's just snow and that's a bit like what our thinking gets like when we're angry isn't it it's like all these sort of thoughts going around in our head we're shaking you know in our head and we can't see the wood for the trees and what do you have to do with a snow globe to settle the snow down nothing you just put it leave down. it you just leave it yeah. yeah so if we just leave ourselves if we can give ourselves a bit of a time out so this is yes. where something like a little like those sort of count to 10 or go next door for 10 minutes or you know those sort of strategies where you just let your snow globe settle then you can see what's in the snow globe which might be oh okay I just got a bit angry there maybe I need to go and apologize or okay maybe I'm just upset about something else that's going on that I need to just share you know yeah Yeah. that's that's really good advice and I'm just thinking for anyone who's finding these outbursts of anger at work what sort of things could they do to just take those tiny little breaks to let that snow globe settle down? I mean, I'm thinking, go lock yourself in the toilet and play a game of Tetris or something like that. I don't know. Do you have any suggestions? 
yeah exactly stuff like that it doesn't need to be big it doesn't need to be fancy it just needs to be something to take and mm. it's about taking yourself out of that situation so i described you know something happens you get angry and you react yeah. we need to just put a, a gap so if something happening and you feel your anger going it's like it's just taking yourself away so whether that's mentally taking yourself away counting to 10 counting remember what you had for dinner last night it doesn't matter what you think about but just shifting your attention onto something different or whether you physically take yourself away so you go out to the, the toilet and play a bit of tetris or you go for a little walk around the building or around the house or yeah so it's only has to be a very small simple intervention it doesn't have to be anything fancy because we're a snow globe we're going to settle if we give ourselves enough time I think the mistake we sometimes make, I certainly do this, is I'll get really angry, I'll notice it's happening and then I'll take myself away for a bit and then I'm like, but I'm still quite angry. Mm. I think I've calmed down. Yeah. So, oh, I'll just go back in. And I'm totally calm now. Everything, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm really definitely thinking logically and you were definitely in the wrong. <laughs> you were definitely in the wrong and then you're yes. right back into that situation yeah. again, aren't you? So if that happens, we're human, we all do it. Just again, step back, but just take a little bit longer this time. You, we all know it, don't we? We know when the feeling has passed and we're not going to snap. You know, we know, we just know that. So waiting for that feeling. And it's difficult work. I think we are, you know, we're in unprecedented times and doctors are under phenomenal pressure already. And we are all going to be feeling this mishmash of emotions and anger is going to be one of them that comes out. And people are going to, they're going to snap at each other. They're going to. So I think what we can do for each other is to be okay with that and hold that and normalize it a bit, not get too, well, just be like, okay, we're all struggling here. Let's take a time out. Let's take a five minute breather, yeah. you know, and, and for the team, because and I think as we can let each other know that we all do it, yeah. it, it makes that person feel less ashamed and less. Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah I, I was just thinking that the kindest, most compassionate thing we can do for each other at the moment is to make allowances and give someone a very long rope to say, yep. you can shout to me, that's one. I am not going to take offence yeah. or hold it against you when you seem completely irrational you're expressing anger you're yeah. acting in a way that i know is not like you yeah and oh yeah. that's exactly how i want to be treated yeah we talk a lot about social distancing and two meter rule at the moment and i think it's almost like we have to have a two meter psychological rule as well it's like yeah. you know i'm just going to give you that little bit longer rope because i know that you're struggling like my my little boy seven you know he's been sort of a bit, little bit angry the last week or so and I think he's just picking up on all the stuff that's bouncing around in the air and you know nothing major but I just didn't I didn't quite come down on him quite as hard as I would normally it was like okay I kind of see that you know so giving each other that little bit of an answer and giving ourselves that bit of space I think that's something doctors really struggle with we hold ourselves to very high standards and we're going to continue to do that through this crisis if we do that we're, we're going to really struggle Yes. Because we cannot maintain our normal level of performance and our normal level of behavior and our normal level of uh, etiquette, mm -hmm. you know, we, in the extraordinary circumstances, you know, we can do it to some degree, but we're all going to sort of just, yeah, need a little bit of wiggle room, I think, and kindness to allow for I and I love your metaphor of the pressure cooker and just letting off the steam in little bits. Yeah. I think, you know, just talking to maybe teams can talk to each other about, yeah. you know, how their pressure cooker is at the moment and what sort of emotions are in there that might need letting out and how can they do that for each other and the allowances yeah. they need to make for each other right now. 
yeah I think that'd be really helpful wouldn't it yeah I mean we've seen a lot haven't we in the last week teams using sort of five minute check-ins at the beginning and end of shifts and actually it's okay use a a minute or two of that time to just acknowledge you know we're all at the end of our tethers here we're all getting a bit frayed and snapping and it's okay you know we're we're all feeling it and we're going to try and get through this together and it's something just that simple literally 30 seconds of just acknowledging it can be really powerful for a team you know and, and if you do lose it setting a, an example and a role model whatever level you're at if you can say oh god sorry guys i just really i'm really at the end of my tether i've had enough do you mind if i just take you know two minutes out here because people will understand they will yeah. get it right we get it it's extraordinary times they are and it's tough yeah i think it's really important to not only do that you know for everybody a glance is for team and a glance is yourself also the point you just made a few minutes ago that probably we're not going to recover as quickly as we possibly used to so that anger or the sadness it may take quite a while for that to work its way out of the system so don't think you're okay too soon (laughs) you know um, yeah. or, or someone else is like, just because someone's come in and gone I'm sorry guys I lost it a bit there but you know I'm fine now don't assume yeah. that, that person is genuinely going to be completely fine then absolutely 100% and this is going to take us weeks and months mm. at least to get through right and mm. the, because the stressor is ongoing as well mm. it's not like in a natural disaster for example where it's something's happened and it's happened at day one and then everything unfolds this is an evolving situation where we're getting constant new stresses happening so this is going to be ongoing for some time so yeah we're going to get good days and bad days good moments and bad moments and i think at this early stage we need to just keep it really simple really kind just normalize 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 that this is tough and we're all feeling it right now so can i ask you caroline because what i've observed is that there is quite a difference between people working on the front line and perhaps the rest of the population who are now told that they need to be at home, social distancing, please don't go out out of your home if you don't absolutely have to. And actually, if you're just in your home, yes, we've lost schooling, we've lost all sorts of things, but we're not seeing what's going on out there. And I wonder whether frontline workers are just at that little bit further on in their grief and loss than the rest of the population. And that's going to be quite difficult to deal with if yeah. one half of the family is a one half of the partnership maybe is a frontline worker and the other one isn't so what yeah. advice would you have about that sort of thing yeah we're seeing that right there's a real mismatch and it's totally understandable yeah. because people are experiencing different things so for a lot of people this hasn't bitten yet and I think it will start to over the next two to three weeks people start to see more impact and more it'll start to hit home a bit more as their loved ones get sick as they're in ITU and they start to worry about if there's going to be enough ventilators and all that sort of thing. It's going to start to really, yeah, amplify up. But at the moment there is still quite a bit of a mismatch. I think I'm not so worried to be honest about the family members supporting frontline workers because what I'm seeing is they really get it actually. They can see what their loved ones are going through and they're scared. They're sending their loved one out every day into this battlefield essentially, to use a warfare metaphor. They're sending them out knowing that they might, you know, be at high risk of infection, that they're going to be seeing and going through awful things. They're seeing their loved ones come back into the home broken and exhausted and scared and you know all of these so I think I think those people are probably already seeing the effects yeah. and the impacts yes. it's perhaps the people that like haven't really hasn't touched their life yeah. yet yeah. and actually I think that's really normal it's very hard for those of us on the side that are seeing the impacts it's having 
because we kind of want to shake people and go come on take this seriously people are dying you know Mm. and that's where a lot of anger and fear and like frustration is coming out but if they knew what we know they would be behaving differently yeah but they they're not there yet and they haven't seen it yet and it's coming and they're gonna see it but they're not quite there yet and I think that's going to be one of the challenges of this whole thing through COVID is that people are going to be at different emotional points at different times you know and we're trying aren't we to try and help doctors at the point at which they're at right now but even amongst doctors some are still at home not doing much yet feeling guilty some are on the front line overwhelmed some are waiting you know preparing and that's yeah it's going to be one of the challenges, I think, for us to be able to make sure people know that whatever stage you're at, whatever you're feeling, it's okay. There is help. So express your emotions. Take time when you're experiencing those emotions and make allowances for yourself and allowances for other people. Yeah, which is a big ask, right? When we're all under phenomenal pressure. But yeah. And if there's stuff that's a bit too much to deal with right now, popping it in a little box is okay. That's really normal and okay. But just being aware that that's what you're doing so that you can then come back to it with help and support at a later date. Yeah, maybe that night when you have a sob on your partner or that next week when you're just so exhausted, it all comes out. Or maybe in a few months time when you take some time for yourself to sit and talk with a professional about what's happened. Just yeah, I think it's about not kind of burying it and never looking at it ever again. And if you can, letting the emotions come through as they come through, that's going to help the grief to pass a bit more quickly. And what about people who are on their own, who maybe don't have a partner to come to home to every night and express stuff? You know, because there's lots of people out there. There's lots of people who are doing training in different parts of the country, and they might physically be separated from people at the moment. And that's got to be really hard. What would you suggest for them? It's really hard, actually. I'm really glad you brought that up because so often we talk about, oh, just, you know, cry on your partner's shoulder like I just yeah. did, right? And actually it's like, well, hang on a minute. I don't, I don't have anyone, you know? You might not even have a cat. So, yeah, it is. First of all, I just want to say there's a lot of people out there in that situation. Yeah. You're not alone. I think we can try and connect through, you know, phone and through online and through social media and things like that in a positive way. You don't have to be alone at this time. I suppose I just want to acknowledge that for those people, I think the reason that's quite hard right now is because this is perhaps something that they've, that's an unmet need in their life or, or a situation that might be difficult for them generally. And it's almost like it's shining a spotlight on it. Right. So I am hearing from a lot of doctors who live alone who are saying, who've been actually either lonely for quite some time or wanting to get a partner or wanting to live mm. with friends or, but not being able to make that happen. And this has just kind of shown a massive spotlight and gone, ah, you know, you're really alone mm. now. And people are, you know, we're starting to talk about making arts directives and things, you know, big things like what I would say is you may feel alone, but you're not alone. Please mm. contact somebody in some shape or form. Mm. So even if it can't be face to face right now, we all need human contact. And if you don't, can't think of a single person in your life to contact, contact me or Rachel. Yeah. You know, like honestly, and we can, you know, we can talk to you, we can put you in touch with mm. other people. There's so many people out there. I can't tell you how much is going on behind the scenes to support yeah. people with what they're going through in the next few weeks and months. So I think it's normalized again. I know I say that a lot, mm. but it's okay to be feeling it right now. And you may feel alone, but you're not alone. And we, you know, mm. there are ways you can connect. Yeah, I was just wondering about, you know, maybe being a bit more intentional in the next few days and 
finding someone else in the same situation you know you'll know people and saying actually maybe once or twice a week we could get on zoom with each other just as a just a well-being check-in you could be my well-being buddy about you know how are you doing this week what do you need you know just a listening ear yeah I think it's a great idea absolutely great idea I think things like that are going to be really lovely sort of side effects of this whole thing aren't they amazing friendships and connections and people who maybe were feeling a bit lonely and isolated before can actually you know connect through this awful time so yeah a great idea yeah we've also started a coronavirus doctors well-being facebook group so if anybody wants to join that and if they want to post that they maybe that's a, a good form where we can buddy people up as well perhaps yeah absolutely join send in a request and join yeah 100 percent. just say you know um tea and empathy is another great place for that kind of connection uh, a facebook group um for doctors mm-hmm. and any nhs staff actually right so yeah the our coronavirus well-being support group on facebook or the tea and empathy facebook group they're both excellent places great. to just we'll put those links in the show notes So we've talked about the different emotions we're going to feel through grief, sort of sadness and loss. Well, a bit of probably denial at the beginning. I think most of us through the denial. Shock, shock, between shock, maybe past denial, grief, anger. Well, sorry, grief is the thing, but the emotions, anger, sadness. One thing I've noticed to some people is this sort of massive amount of energy that I've just got to do something and I'm going to do something and I carry on doing something and I'm slightly worried about those people because they carry on and on and then they crash yeah 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 a lot of doctors do that yeah (laughs) we're very high functioning and we were just showing weren't we before this recording that I wanted to just take a few minutes to breathe because yeah it's very easy to get into that oh this is happening this is happening what can I do and oh and yeah again I think just simple strategies simple okay just take a few deep breaths I do personally I forget to breathe but I can remember Mm. to put my feet on the ground and just doing that then I then breathe so yeah so feet on the ground because I I think breathing is a funny one it's kind of hard to remember to breathe when you're Mm. like so much is going on so or sometimes if you've got a watch or smartphone or something app or something where it does one of those lovely in and out breathing things where you have to follow it with your breath you know that's quite nice but yeah I feet on the ground I would say number one tip for the next few weeks (laughs) both feet yeah planted on the ground it will just and breathing is a really good way of sort of calming your sympathetic system and activating your parasympathetic system so I had a chap called Richard Husseini on the podcast a few weeks ago and he's worked with people in the Olympics you know just about to go into really high stress environments like just about to go snowboard or something like that and using the out breath to calm everything down so he talks about you know square breathing so oh yeah square breathing yeah out next then in and then out so and 7-eleven breathing as well but yes sorry talks about square breathing yeah square breathing um, a lot of doctors are using this marines use this it's really great technique and it's very simple so you imagine a square a bit like the screen we're using now and you breathe in for four count of four then you hold for four then you breathe out for four and then you hold for four in for four hold for four out for four and then hold for four really powerful technique to just if you do that 
four or five times you'll completely change your physiological state mm. and just be able to function in a very different way so i was going to ask about this i have noticed already that my heightened physiology from sort of friday saturday has already calmed down a bit probably because yeah. i did a workout this morning which really yeah. helps what am I going to be expecting now that it goes up and down and up and down or that actually now we're into more of the chronic stress or what would you expect to see? I think it's going to vary depending on what your situation is and what you're exposed to. But I think we're going to be in the first phase for quite a bit longer for another few weeks. Okay. I think we're going to go in and out of feeling utterly exhausted and overwhelmed and then getting a bit of recharge and then a bit exhausted and overwhelmed and then recharge. And I, I think to be pretty normal. I think it's about trying to keep that within boundaries. So when you start to feel it's getting a bit too much mm. stepping back, you know, maybe taking a day off. And I know that yeah. sounds like the most impossible thing to do when we're facing such a crisis. But if you're not in a good place, you, you can't help other people. And we need doctors that are rested to be able to take over from the doctors that are absolutely exhausted. Yeah. So, you know, if you just need to step back for half a day, a day, a couple of days, it's okay yeah. you're going to come back in a much better resource that yeah. can then help other people to do the same so yeah. it's a marathon not a sprint yeah and you do need to switch off when you have your days off do not spend the entire day looking at the news and looking through social yeah. media feeds just watch a film read a book read some sort of fiction yeah watch a box set yeah binge, binge yeah. watch stranger things i don't know just yeah. do something to think about other stuff yeah it is absolutely and but be aware you're going to want to do those things and you'll you'll probably like you'll be watching a movie and then suddenly you'll find yourself you're on your phone again and it's like mm. what what how did that happen <laughs> so just yeah. just go oh okay all right i was told this was going to happen okay just pop it down again mm. and just try and like refocus on what you're doing it's going to be hard i think for people to fully switch off at the moment yeah. but as much as you can i think just yeah yeah allowing yourself to is really mm. important and it's okay to enjoy yourself yeah can i say that 100% you can and I, you're saying it and i sense the the tone of voice you're using is because yeah. it's we feel a bit guilty don't we yeah it's like oh i don't i really oh I, how can I be enjoying myself when my, I know my colleagues are intubating people right now and know, or making decisions about who gets treatment and who doesn't, you know, those kind of, I mean, oh, but it is absolutely okay to enjoy yourself. It doesn't mean that you're a heartless, horrible person. It doesn't mean that you don't care about those people. You are doing exactly what you need to be doing in order to help those people yeah. because if you are well, and getting a bit of a balance and a bit of recuperation and a bit of joy in your life, then you can help them when they need it. And you can take over and let them go and enjoy their life when they need to. So it's not a selfish thing. Okay, we all interact, you know, and me looking after myself and having fun is going to help you, Rachel, you having fun is going to help the next person. Yeah. And it goes, you know, collectively, it helps each other. There's a lot of backlash at the moment I'm seeing from, you know, maybe doctors posting funny things online or making a joke about something or, and, and a lot of people going, this is really insensitive. How can you be joking about this at a time like this? But I think we need to have room for both because otherwise we're not going to get through this. Yeah. yeah. We need the light relief. We need the joy. We need the happiness to balance out a bit of the, the other stuff that we're feeling. Yeah. Yeah. So there is room for joy as well. 
even with the sadness and the anger, we can feel joy and that's okay. Yeah, I, I think that for me, the take home message is whatever you're feeling is okay. You know, if you're, if you're feeling quite relaxed and not too worried, great. Like, I mean, you know, you, chances are you probably will feel a bit anxious at some point. So enjoy it while you can, you know. If you're feeling pride, joy, love, you know, all these wonderful emotions, wonderful, you know. But we all need a mix of emotions in our lives. And at times like this, I find bad emotions, all emotions are good, really. But those difficult emotions, you know, the anger, sadness, all that stuff, the guilt they'd seem to be met in equal sort of measure by the good stuff, right? I mean, how much amazing stuff are we seeing at the moment? Yeah. Human acts of altruism and kindness and, you know, coming together. It's just wonderful. So, and that's the human spirit. That's the human condition that we, even in our toughest times, we have our most joyful moments and that's how it's meant to be. Thank you, Caroline. That was really helpful, really helpful for me. And I think helpful for the listeners as well. If I was to ask you for your three top tips for dealing with grief, sadness and anger at the moment, what would they be? Feel the emotions. I'm hearing a lot of people say, oh, don't be angry. Don't be anxious. Don't feel guilty. Actually feel it because it's normal and emotions need to be felt, I think. Anger and sadness. Anger, vent it, tap it off healthily. So try, experiment, have fun with it. Like, you know, I've got doctors who throw beanbags at walls. I've got doctors who bash bits of furniture with baseball bats. I've got, you know, all sorts of things. Do it safely, right? You do it safely, but just getting your anger out really safely, really important. The sadness, I think we need to feel it and we need to share it and yeah sadness is a tough one and it takes time so we're in this together yeah we're gonna I think we're gonna collectively feel this sadness for some time and I think it's okay to honor that because we actually we care yeah you know we're sad because we care we're sad because we love someone said grief is the price we pay for love yes grief is the price we pay for love that's true yeah my top three tips I think first of all If you feel that your snow globe has been shaken, make some time where you can go, where it can just settle down, the snow to settle down. I think my second tip is make room in your life for joy. Yeah. Really important. And thirdly, make allowances for others and for yourself. Just give people, if they're a bit snappy and rude, that's fine. That's fine. That's you doing, you absorbing that and not commenting on it and not holding it against them is you doing your bit to help everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't have to absorb it as ours, right? We can just, Mm. we can leave it as theirs. Like it's okay. You know? Yeah. 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 Wonderful. So that's helpful. (laughs) Well, it's been really helpful to me. Thank you, Caroline. So we will, as ever, if you have an idea about what you'd like us to cover, in the podcast please comment email contact us on social media however we would love just to be a space where people can find things that are going to be helpful for them and and if you've got some good resources to share then let us know as well and we'll we'll try and get those out to everybody so get in touch with us suggest things comment please share this video widely you know if you have colleagues they don't need to be doctors they can be anyone who is suffering at the moment who might like to hear this and we will be back soon with another episode so thank you caroline thank you so much my pleasure see you soon yeah bye everybody bye 
Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed the podcast, then please share it with your colleagues, share it with your friends. And I would really, really appreciate a review. I'd love to hear your comments and questions. So either email me or join my Shapes Collective Facebook group where you can post your comments and your suggestions. And I also post loads of useful articles. So I hope you can join me for the next episode.